0: With guests from all over the world, from different wisdom traditions, I wish to create a web of loving energy that permeates the whole world to create more love and peace. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube for more guidance and love. Hello to all you loving beings. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited that we're in the month of June because there's so much happening this month and we're in eclipse season. So next week on June 10th, I will host a new moon solar eclipse online circle. It's going to be a beautiful tuning in to the frequency and the energy of the eclipse and the new moon that we have in Gemini. And eclipses have so many beautiful symbols and energies attached to them and has been celebrated since ancient times. And it's a really magical time. It's also a really good time to do inner work. And we will do all of this in the online gathering that I would hope that as many of you want to join, it's completely donation-based And I have the link in the show notes for that. We will meditate together, have ceremony together for this eclipse and the upcoming period of six months that we can prepare for. And also, I'm really excited that my book is being published now on the 22nd and you still have the opportunity to pre-order the book and get a free oracle card reading before it gets published. So thank you for everyone who's been pre-ordering, and I've been doing so many readings, and it's been beautiful to connect with you all and feeling your love and support. And this week's episode is so dear to my heart. It's a fellow sister, Kurdish sister from the US, and she's uh, so powerful in her just knowledge and wisdom of the history and uh, the peoples of our regions of the world where I also uh, come from. And it's Dalia Zada is my guest this week. Dalia has an MA degree in nonprofit leadership and management from the University of San Diego School of Educational Sciences. She's a Kurdish Muslim with parents who immigrated from Kurdistan to the US in 1992, and her work in advocacy is influenced by her identity as a Kurd and her true passion lies in poetry and storytelling and she's been really we s- connected on social media she's been informing all of us about very important um points that are happening in in these regions of the world and we talk a lot about um uh, how it is for many of us that that have grown up in other countries than where our ancestors are from. So we talk about ancestral healing and and the indigenous Kurdish ancestry. We also talk about the connection with nature, healing ancestral grief and how stories can become medicine. And we talk about uh, faith and spirituality as well. And I think... Many of us who have a similar background or even have disconnected completely from our ancestral lineage really can benefit from understanding how we are all connected to through our physical DNA to specific places on Earth and how we are also affected by the ancestral lineage and our foremothers and forefathers. And this is a really important part in my book when it comes to spiritual healing is to go beyond time and space and not just work in the now, but to heal our whole past lineage. And those of us who are called to do that really go through intense journeys in this life to also not just heal ourselves, but also the past and the future So I love this conversation. I hope you also enjoy it. And I would also love to just give so much gratitude and love to my incredible show partners, Ace of Air, who's a newly launched beauty and wellness brand committed to the products that put people and planet above all. Their line is clean, vegan and cruelty free and it's skincare and supplements that have synergistically been formulated at the intersection of herbalist wisdom and modern science, focusing on rituals that work from the inside out. They're inspired by Mother Nature's ability of creating circles and cycles and not creating any waste. And it's the only and first beauty and wellness brand designed to be entirely circular and fully zero waste so it's such a holistic uh, brand that thinks of the process of life and production in a circular way that where there should not be any waste at all we have to start living and being and consuming much more holistically and consciously and sustainably to really commune and to honor Mother Earth. So I really recommend you checking them out. You can visit them on aceofair.com or find them on Instagram on aceofair as well. And I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. Hi Dalia, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. And I want to ask you if you have any type of mindfulness practice that you do
1: on a daily basis to uh, come back to yourself or ground. Yes, I definitely do. And it's interesting because I'm actually a teacher. And so every day when I start off my class, we do mindfulness meditation, breathing practices. Um, now that I'm not teaching right now, I, it's, I'm still doing it on my own, but definitely when I had my class, I was a lot more strict with myself because if I did it, my kids would do it. Um, but for me, I do practice mindful breathing. So every morning and every night when I wake up and before I go to sleep, I play some music, classical music, and I just focus on my breathing and I set my intentions for the day in the morning and at night, I just kind of relax and take everything out of my head from what happened that day.
0: Hmm. That's beautiful. And what a great way to start off a class with, with that and yes. well. really clears out anything that's been going on before the class. And yeah, that's a great way to integrate meditation. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that we connected we met each other on instagram and you're are of kurdish descent just as me and we really connected on that and yeah i love the work that you do and i would love for you to just uh, let the listeners know
1: who you are and what you, you do yeah definitely um my name is dahlia zada Um, I am of Kurdish descent, both my parents are Kurdish from Afri and when we met on Instagram I had just, I just started it last summer so it's been almost a year of Swana stories and what Swana stands for is Southwest Asia, North Africa, and it's a decolonial term for the Middle East. Um, It's rejecting that term of the Middle East because it's not geographically accurate. And it was a term given to us by the British because it was, well, in proximity to them, it was the Middle East. And so calling it Swana is a very important thing because it moves us away from British and Eurocentric convenience. It decolonizes the term, and it's a lot more geographically accurate and inclusive. And so as someone who is from Swana, something I have recognized my whole life is being from Swana means being just surrounded by grief constantly. Um, A lot of our countries are constantly in war and it's not our country's fault. It's usually the US, it's almost always the US's fault. And so exploring how imperialism um, has destroyed our, our countries because we are so oil rich in resources And something I had noticed is how whenever people think of the Middle East, they or Swana, they associate the terms, you know, refugees, immigrants, terrorism, war. And I just wanted to show people that we're more than that, Um, especially in Europe and the US, a lot of people growing up in their K through 12 education, they're not being taught about Swana and Swana history. And when they do, it's from a very orientalist, problematic, oftentimes Islamophobic or xenophobic perspectives. And so for me, I wanted to create a series that was accessible to people where they could read and put faces and names to our stories and learn more about people from SWANA and see that we are not a monolith and we are more than just our grief and war. We're also survival and resistance. And so celebrating everything we we do, despite all the things our countries go through, um, and so it's something I really love doing because it's introduced me to so many amazing people like yourself all around the world. And I really do think that stories, since the beginning of time, storytelling is such a powerful way to bring humans together and it really humanizes stories. Um, you, we see a lot of people on Instagram creating canvas slides of factual information and people are in the comments arguing and disagreeing over what happened but with stories people can't argue or disagree stories right that's that person's story it's their experience and so i find it to be a really beautiful way to educate through storytelling mm.
0: thank you so much for sharing that and thank yeah you. i i love what you share and this exactly the stories i've learned a lot from the stories and seeing all the connections and it's really beautiful work that you do and i think that we it's it's also really important to um, come back to our uh, roots in a way for all people actually that that we have a, a certain connection to certain parts of the world and it can be a lot of different parts but also where our physical dna Uh, beside our spiritual uh, selves that could have been uh, everywhere in the world that we have a physical ancestry and lineage that we're working with and we've also incarnated into this for this experience and and now it's it's really beautiful to see how we can especially work with Ancestral medicine, uh, which means that we also have to learn a little bit more about uh, what our foremothers and forefathers did and yeah, beyond what we can see now when it comes to how it's been uh, in many countries and parts of the world where there's been more suffering and pain, but finding that uh tradition and also the connection to the lands. And maybe you want to share because you have so much knowledge and wisdom and put a lot of effort uh, into learning. And maybe some people who are listening here don't even know um what the Kurdish descent is and where we our ancestors come from. Maybe you want to share that from your point of view.
1: Definitely. I Like you said, I think our connection to land is important um, for any Indigenous people. The land is our identity in a lot of ways, and it's our connection to our foremothers and forefathers. My understanding of Kurdistan growing up, um, I was very lucky to have both parents really talk about Kurdistan a lot with us. Um, I was taught at a very young age growing up in the U.S. that Just because I was born in America doesn't mean I'm American. It means I'm Kurdish first and always. So that included a lot of storytelling from my parents. And a theme of the storytelling, especially from my mother, was really centered in the women and the abilities they had, the connections they had to land and people and history, and our families and our personal stories. Um, My understanding of Kurdistan is that our people are indigenous to what is now today known as um, parts of Iraq, Iran, Syria, and Turkey. Um, but so Mesopotamian region. Uh, I don't even know where to start with this. <laughs> with the Treaty of Severs, which was made about a hundred years ago, basically the British powers and other colonial powers with a Sharpie marker kind of drew haphazardly where the Kurds are or where Kurdistan would be. And when the Ottomans, the Ottoman Turks had heard that there would be a Kurdistan, that would be recognized and a state would be made. Um, they were very upset by that. They rejected this the treaty even going so far as to putting forcing 20,000 Turks into Kurdish regions to, you know, move um, de- demographically displaced Kurds. And so that the consequences of the Treaty of Severs hundred years ago, we are still facing. Um, We're the largest ethnic minority group in the world that is, quote unquote, stateless. Um, We are occupied by four countries. And so uh, I always describe it to people um, with Bakur, Bashur, Rojalat, and Rojava. Those are the names um, for the parts of Kurdistan. And we are occupied by Iran, Turkey, and Syria. And what does it mean to be occupied by Iran, Turkey, Syria, and Iraq? It means that oftentimes we're labeled as Iraqi Kurds, Syrian Kurds, Turkish Kurds. And for so long, I labeled myself like that. And for the past few years, I've rejected that. And I've stopped saying that I'm Kurdish Syrian. I just say I'm Kurdish. I'm from Western Kurdistan. If you don't know where that is, Google is free. Look it up. Um, And so I think a huge part of Kurdish identity and why we are so passionate about holding on to the stories of our foremothers and forefathers is because that's really all we have. And when a land is taken from a people, our bodies become an extension of that land. And so there's so many Kurds in diaspora. And so I really love that idea of as long as there is a Kurd, there's a Kurdistan. And even though a lot of us are not in control of our land, depending on who's occupying you, um, your body becomes that land, and your body becomes a vessel of history, of language, and culture, and story. And you also become a keeper, so a keeper of ancestral wisdom. And I think that's why it's so important that my mother would pass down, you know, remedies and techniques, simple healing remedies, because um, she wanted to ensure that I'd be kind of like a walking textbook or a dictionary, and I would just keep passing it down to my children, hopefully. I'm sorry if i didn't answer your question i kind of went off on a tangent you
0: know, it, it was beautiful that's really so powerful that um yeah to not forget because it's um uh, it's part of this life that we are in right now and it's really when we talk about healing we can actually in the present moment heal uh, all the past uh, lineage and the the future as well and and everyone that is in in this time right now in our lineage so that's a part of the healing because when i talk about healing it's really uh, on all levels not only personal and physical and emotional mental. it's really energetic healing and uh, on the spiritual level also going back in time beyond time and space so one of the healing is so uh, really stories are medicine and uh, uh, having to to carry on one's ancestry is also uh, something that is important i think especially for many people now, as I I see also in the spiritual community, that that connection to the the wisdom that cannot be forgotten. Because if we forget that, we disconnect more and more from nature, from old ways of uh, healing and medicine, and also our spiritual practices. So I think it's really interesting that um, this is how you also carry on your uh yeah your past generations and it's it's really i think a lot of people don't know exactly the history of certain group minority groups and now that we have also incarnated in this life and spread out in this way we can start to integrate and also connect all beings together so it's really a beautiful mix and also something that I've experienced uh, my whole life and especially adult life is that I always long for I love to be in places with mountains for example and here in Sweden yes. it's really flat so we don't have <laughs> it I don't live around mountains but then when I go to places with mountains like I feel the spirit of the mountain like deeply in my core, and I feel really like at home when I see mountains or are on a mountain. So that's one of the things that are really uh, key from from where where we're from as well. It's it's a indigenous mountain connection, right?
1: Definitely. Uh, I'm very lucky to live in California. Mm-hmm. It's a very mount, mountainous state. And something my dad said was that when he chose to come to California in the 80s, it's really because there were places in California that reminded him of home. So when he was homesick or nostalgic, where he's from in Afrin, it's very dry and there's a lot of mountains. And even today, when I'm feeling nostalgic or homesick, even just last week, I went, there's this little mountain this area where you can hike to kind of like a cliff and the mountain stretch for so long and i just sit there and sometimes i allow myself to cry and i feel like this sometimes so overwhelming this feeling of just of grief um and it's when i sit there that my memories are the strongest and it's really hard because i haven't been able to go back in 10 years It's when I'm sitting there, it's when I'm around a lot of mountains that my memory is actually more clear and I can look and see my home. And so it also, like mountains for me are memory keepers. And I definitely relate to what you say of just having a very strong connection to them. I love the ocean, but around the ocean, I feel very uneasy. I don't feel like I'm in my element. I feel unsafe. But when I'm in mountains, I feel I've always felt so safe. And I've always credited that, that to my ancestors. And I think we very much carry those feelings. Our ancestors seek refuge in the mountains and they still do. Um, you know, the proverb, no friends but the mountains, it rings true. And for me, ever since I was a child, just being near mountains, I always just feel calm and safe. And I think that's a common thing for many Kurds.
0: Mm-hmm yeah it's so beautiful and and since nature what i've seen and what what you're saying is so beautiful because being so uh, when i visited new zealand i could see the resemblance between new zealand and scotland for example i could i I just felt like it was the same place because it's one earth in the end but we can really become reminded of because we we're carrying our ancestors within us. We are the ancestors because we are. Um, we all merge into one in the end. So we yes. we we carry the memory and the DNA and and the. It's really interesting in in yoga also we have this we have different layers or sheaths of the body and one of them is the food one which makes up the materialistic <laughs> body. Or the material body, and it's made from food that we eat. And if you think about it, it's also that's why we feel the best when we're also having uh, like local produce, for example. And but it can also be so that our body, if it's if it's not from that specific place, it can need something else. That's why we we can't say that one diet is great. For everyone because we have different ancestry and DNA and we can tolerate certain things better and we need certain things because our body is physically connected to the place where our ancestors bodies were created and I think it's really interesting because it also takes time for the body to adjust to a new place and for me for example I really feel like I I don't do well in cold Weather, for example, I've always been like that. I don't feel um, relaxed. I feel like I get tense, and so I. I've and the, the, uh, here in Sweden we get very little sun, so I think it's really tough on on people that come from southern parts of the world uh to be california might be <laughs> better i also lived in in la for a year so i was really happy with the weather there with the sun and heat and
1: wow
0: uh, yeah you will come come back come back yes sometime. yes i would love to i haven't been there for about three years now so it's mm. yeah definitely i loved california and also as you said the mountains just seeing that perspective and another interesting thing that i've always been curious about we talked about this briefly is that um something that i really carry with me and i think really manifested in me if you compare it to other um uh, other people in my uh, family and and relatives is is my deep uh deeper spiritual practice that i'm 100% sure that is my my foremothers that are helping me to to initiate, because there's always one person or a few persons in every lineage that need to do deep work with healing. And what you said with, it's really interesting that you said that you have grief because uh, it's not that we carry of course there can be anger and frustration and, and fears and all of this but I think all of us uh, carry grief and even my Chinese medicine uh, mentor and teacher she's explained to me how and in her clinical practice how she can see that uh, people like us that live in other countries and due to what's been going on in the world and our parents had to leave, uh, she can see that there are always patterns of grief or fear and and a lot of grief actually. So it and that affects our physical uh, well-being as well. So I can see that uh, a lot of women have uh, issues with their female health or it can be, you know, grief is also, our immune system gets deprived by grief in Chinese medicine. So, uh, and this is coming out as a way for us to heal, because if we are feeling that grief, uh, and it's not, of course, we're grieving what's happened and, and and really taking in all of these stories that we've heard all of our lives, but there's also an inner, grief because as well we're so integrated with our grandmothers for example so when our mother was in our grandmother's womb we were also in there in as uh, in the ovaries already so it's really connected that's why i'm saying that it's really connected to the maternal lineage very strongly we are so connected um and there so the healing work that we're doing and the book i i just wrote is really dedicated to the healing of my lineage and ancestry and all people in the end because we're all connected but this fragment that i'm experiencing as a human being is connected to this this land and this culture and this these people and we're also connected. So you can have that remembrance in, in each other. Do you understand what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> can no, you- that, that, was, that was beautiful. Yeah, I'm just beautiful. I agree completely. Mm-hmm. I really love when you said that when my mother was in her mother's room, I was in there too. That was mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, and so many things you said I'm holding on to and I'm thinking of. And this is another reason why I write my swana stories because yes we carry intergenerational trauma and we carry intergenerational grief but we also carry intergenerational wisdom and strength mm. and resilience and it's it's so interesting how every time something happens to kurdistan which is almost every day but I remember in 2018 when Afrin got occupied I really felt like my body had been invaded. Mm-hmm. I remember being in bed for two weeks crying. Mm-hmm. I couldn't move. I was debilitated. And I, in my head, I felt like I have been here before. Like I felt like I had felt this grief my whole life, my personal whole life, but that I was feeling the grief for people before me as well. And I was overcome with that anger and that grief and this like kind of deja vu where it's like, I've been here before. And like you said, I have been and my mother and her grandmother and her mother and her mother and so on. We have all been in that place where land was taken. And I do believe that women are an extension of land, especially I believe all of us are. But, you know, whenever there's a war or people, people are attacked, people come for the land and women first. Because I always say that women are the closest thing to God. You know, we make life and we are an extension of land in a lot of ways. And so that's something that I was actually just thinking about the other day. And so when you started talking about the womb, that's where my my head went. That it is almost like we are cultivators of our people and land.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful.
1: If that makes sense. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, definitely. And that's why a lot of um, uh, women are in in uh, imbalance in in the womb and uh, our female um, uh, energy and and the reproductive organs and it yeah it's really connected to so much. That's why the healing is so important because also that's where as you said, life grows, and what we uh, create from, it's a portal, so it's really important to see that, and also see that um, we have, as souls, so in my in my belief, and, and how I see the world, is that we uh, incarnate into this life uh, for a reason, and we have chosen this body and this experience right now to uh, hopefully do something that evolves us and that and and that can look in so many different ways but there's also uh, really clear that some souls are really here for the sake of healing not only themselves but uh, the whole world in different ways because even if we focus on one certain area of healing, we're healing the collective as well. because what's happening if we go beyond what we've seen and what what our ancestors have experienced is is an a age of um it's in in yoga we call it Kali Yuga. it's it's a it's a little dark age. And in my perspective, this has been based, where we as humans have went into a more ego state instead of heart based soul based state, and and that's why also uh, religion and spirituality has uh, in a, in a way become a patriarchal tool to uh, control and dominate and uh, take power. And that's a really low vibration, and it's it has nothing to do with spirituality. Yet. So we, we're we slowly, as we see now, the societies and people are waking up to come back to what we truly are and release these veils of illusion that we're separate and that we are. Because when we look at the world and what's been happening, we we, we can also... Uh, tend to feel like some things will never change or or it's always been like this but we're we're in a transformational time and sometimes even in our own healing journey we have to go into that really dark place to be able to start creating more light from within and what's happening now and the opportunities that we have now as humankind is to connect more uh, from when we start living more from the heart but I feel like there's been a great dis imbalance and what you said about the women is I really believe that the disconnect from the divine mother and the, the divine feminine sacred feminine aspect has been also causing this because what we see is usually <laughs> the all the issues that I've seen is is from the wounded masculine actually uh th- that's manifested like this. So when we go beyond the the borders and cultural it's it's on an energetic level a disbalance. So the world when when it goes one way too much then we can see the effects. It's like what if we would always have sun every day, all day, all night, it's sun. That's the masculine aspect. It, it it would dry things out. We wouldn't be able to sleep. We would be active all the time. And that's how society looks right now. We're active all the time. We don't take breaks. We don't rest. And that's manifested in everything else. And And the ego can can really cause a lot of, harm within us which it has and then it manifests outwardly and not when we start healing from within which this work is all about then we can start healing everything around us because the whole world is within us there's no separation we, we are creating the whole world with our perception so I'm really also interested. Yeah, did you, did you want to say something, Tanya?
1: No, I was just gonna say there's so much that you are saying that I'm just hanging on to. I'm mm-hmm. listening so actively. It's it's mm-hmm. so beautiful.
0: Thank you so much. And I'm, yeah, I feel really uh, connected to everything you do and 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 talk about. It's so beautiful and uh, and it's it's a it's a healing journey and it's so important. And I'm also actually interested in, so we ha- the Kurdish people have a long and old history, which is so fascinating. And I'm interested uh, to hear from your perspective, Kurdish spirituality and, and what you've learned from your parents and, and your
1: ancestors. Definitely. So something you said that I really loved was, that we're not just healing for ourselves, we're healing for our ancestors. And it's so true. And it's so hard to break cycles, right? It's so hard to be that person in your family who is questioning and challenging the ways we heal and the ways we are carrying information and passing it on and just the ways we're healing from so much pain. And so I definitely feel like when I am learning more about Kurdish history, which is really hard, especially as someone who speaks Kurmanji dialect because so much of Kurmanji was banned in Syria and Turkey for so long and books were burned and libraries were burned. And so when our books and our record keeping have been destroyed, how do you find that information? And it's through word of mouth, which is the story as old as time that people use oral traditions of storytelling to pass down. Even with Kurds, like, you know, Kurdish was banned to be taught in schools in, in Turkey and Syria. Mm. So my parents teaching me Kurdish is huge when we were kids, because if they didn't do that, I would have died with them. There isn't a Rosetta Stone for kurmanji you know. And so I think just that important, like that we are keepers of language. We are keepers of stories and of healing. And just I think the biggest thing that has stuck with me is Something my mom ever since I was a child taught me was the power in nature in the sense of like, whenever I was sick and not feeling well, before my mom took me to a doctor, she would try her own remedies that had worked time and time again from her mother and her mother before that. And she'd make all these, you know, mixtures and pastes or soups or whatever, and it would work so much better than any modern day medicine. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't use Western medicine because we're very lucky and privileged to have it, but I was always raised by my mother to use both, um, to lean on ancestral wisdom and medicine and try it our way. And then if we needed a little more help, you would use it in combination with Western medicine. And it's so interesting because even to this day as an adult, when I've lived alone and without my mother, I find myself doing the things she did that she didn't explicitly teach me, but I learned watching her. I find myself making the same pastes. I find myself making the same teas. I find myself on hikes, recognizing the herbs she would point out to me and picking them. Um, Something that I've always loved is that my mother's name is Berivan, which is, you know, Mm. the leader of the women who go and forage. Mm. And go and, you know, and, and the fact that in Kurdish, we do have names like Berivan that are centered around that importance of going out, leading the women, to go get things to sustain your tribe, to sustain your people. And I always thought that was so beautiful. And so, you know, and me and my mom, I can't, I go on a hike and I'll recognize like tulik, which is also known as mallow. Um, and I was taught that such an important, such an important skill as a young child of what is edible in nature, what I can go and find and to sustain myself. And so even when I'm on hikes with my friends and I'll start picking things, they're like, what are you doing? And you're like, why are you picking grass? I'm like, this isn't grass. This is tulik. And it has such great healing properties. And it's so healthy for us. You just have to boil it and clean it with a little vinegar and salt and lemon. And then it's like the yummiest, the, one of the yummiest dishes. Um, and so something that I really am grateful for my mother, and that I will be sure to pass on to my children, is looking out in and seeing what I can use to sustain myself, the ways that my ancestors did, um, and how can I rely on myself and my ancestral wisdom before I need to seek information or Western medicine. And so for me, it's mostly been in food and herbs for healing. Um, And it's also been in the stories my mother has told me. I've had my grandmother and my great-grandmother reach out to me in dreams, Um, And I know that's not something we can always talk about with a lot of people because people who are closed off to that, it's very hard for them to believe. Mm. But I'm so grateful for Kurdish, other Kurdish and a lot of other Swana people where I'll tell them like, oh, yeah, I had, you know, this dream or I saw this thing when I was a kid or I saw this spirit or whatever. Their faces are like, oh, yeah, that's happened to me, too. Or, oh, yeah, that happens to my mother. Mm. (laughs) And so that's something I'm very grateful for in the Kurdish community is that we've really held on to our magic
0: yeah that's so true and and just when we have that um like a natural and part of life type of perspective, this spirituality, it's for me, it's always been there because it's been normalized in one way. it's not like separate from everything else in life. we exactly like you said, we have certain um uh, spiritual uh, practices and beliefs that have probably been like and you know certain auspicious things and many cultures have their own and it's it's beautiful to remember that and especially when we're it's it's really really interesting to grow up into two cultures at once right because you're learning something from two different uh, perspectives and we've always had that naturally and what you said it's really interesting because I'm trying to now uh, since I've learned so much about uh, spirituality from different parts of the world also Kurdish spirituality I've I've been almost interviewing people in in my family and relatives to hear more but things that do pop out that I've heard since I was a child was a lot of these dream psychic dreams has been really probably something that's been practiced and and dreams are a state when we come into an astral plane which is beyond time and space so we can really tap into something there and uh, the whole thing with this was exactly something that I talked to my grandmother about the other day like how how were you what did you do uh, back then when you lived in Kurdistan and lived in a village and uh, you got sick and she said well there wasn't that much like western medicine so it was a lot of plant and food healing like foods as healing and that's what we're relearning in the west now that food is is also medicine right so that's how they practiced and and you know they didn't get uh like you know these medicines that now is is really uh spread out in the world so in that way they lived very naturally and um and and it can almost be seen i mean they they went to through trauma emotional trauma uh but so that can also affect the physical healing but from that perspective, it was really wholesome, you know, the food, the everything, and it was really a a, a simplistic way of living, which we're trying to come back to now in the world, that we're, so even um, Europeans are learning about how their ancestors lived, and now we can see, for example, here in Sweden, when it's lush, there's medicine, like you said, like everything in the forest could be used as medicine and healing. So I also grew up up with that, that we don't directly take uh, medicine, uh, or do things to the body that is unnatural. So I've always had that in me. And I think that's what why I'm interested uh, about the holistic healing and been studying it for so long and i'm also really interested to know uh, because i mean the the monotheistic religions have not been here for that long <laughs> if you look at human history um what what type of spiritual and religious practices are
1: like indigenous in Kurdistan, of your what you've learned. It's so interesting that you asked this question because as you were speaking, I was thinking about my experience as a Kurd in conjunction to my upbringing as a Muslim. And so my, my relationship with Islam is kind of complicated. I grew up not very connected to it. And it's just been in the past few years that I've started to make it work for me instead of trying to mold myself to it. I've molded it to myself. And I had a complicated relationship with it because I had the knowledge that my mother's side of the family was forced converted a few generations ago. And my father's side had been Muslim for a very long time. Um, And so part of me was uncomfortable with that idea that it was forced on my mother's Yazidi and Kurdish family. And it was a choice for my father's family. And with the history of Kurdistan, you see that for like the longest time, we're very ancient people. We're one of the most ancient people in the world. We were practicing forms of, you know, Zoroastrianism and Yazidiism. And when Islam was introduced to us, um, it was mostly by force for a lot of Kurds. Some by choice, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have Jewish Kurds. We have Christian Kurds. We have agnostic Kurds. And so, something I really love about Kurdish people is that we're very secular and -hmm. I think it's for that reason that Kurdistan is so secular that we are so persecuted in in Swana Mm -hmm. because I think that secularism kind of confuses a lot of Swana and it is kind of a threat as well um and so for me my mother did something really beautiful where I really love your line where you said that normalization that like this this is all very normalized for us as Kurds Mm -hmm. like I grew up being told that The world is so much bigger than me that there are multiple worlds there are multiple um kinds of people we live in we live with spirits um i was always taught that my body was a temporary vessel i was renting (laughs) um and that was in combination of our kurdish practices and also our muslim beliefs that my mom would teach us that this body is so temporary and it's serving you now But when you pass and you go on to your next journey, it's your soul that leaves that body. Um, And so it's just a vessel and you have to take really good care of it because, you know, God or whatever you believe in has provided you this little kind of vessel for you to, you know, function and walk around in and whatever, but it's temporary and you have to be ready to say goodbye to it. And what's important is your soul. I was taught that there are jinn, there are other spirits, mm-hmm. that there, I am living with, with other beings. And so I was taught that since I was a young child. And these are the things that are talked about not just in Kurdish culture, but in the Muslim religion. Mm-hmm. Um, just that understanding that this world is so much bigger than human beings and that we are constantly surrounded by jinn and other spirits and that our ancestors are here, that they are watching us and that they die in a way with, that they physically die but they're not really dead. Their Mm -hmm. souls are still here in us and in our souls. And so I'm very grateful for that upbringing because it makes me a lot more of an open-minded person. Um, It makes me like when people share their experiences with spirituality and religion, I'm a lot more receptive to it because I am a believer in just the unknown. And I don't see the world black and white, I see it very gray. And so I am grateful for that upbringing of combining my culture and my religion. I wouldn't say I'm a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. I'm Muslim culturally and spiritually. Um, and I've I've made it so that it has worked around me and my lifestyle. And it's what makes sense to me. And I like to honor my Kurdish spirituality and my Muslim spirituality and find the middle ground. Mm
0: that's so beautiful thank you for sharing that I yeah the, the background was really nice to know and understand and I, I exactly what you said it, um it's it's something that we say in Kurdish is when when someone when we see a deceased person in our dream it we say they uh, they came and visit visited us or they we met them it's not like I dreamt of yeah it's like it's like it happened and I really believe in that and um yeah the prophetic dreams have been uh, um really something that I've seen a lot in in my family and relatives so it must be connected to our ancestral um spiritual spiritual practices which also you can see in other indigenous uh people as well that uh, dream work is very important and vi- vi- visions and all of this so it's really interesting and and what i've me personally i have never connected to a certain religion at all uh because also on my path i felt like uh i i i there was always something missing and when i realized it's the 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 mother that is missing in 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 the equations of of the religions that are uh, practiced uh, i it, it, from our uh our ancestry i felt like that aspect was important for me to bring in and and to be in devotion to to that as well um
1: definitely yeah definitely
0: it's, it's and and that is the uh, uh, healing for all people as well to to recognize and acknowledge that there's not only the father or the, the because our mind needs something to cling on the highest consciousness is nothing it's not you can't describe it as in the feminine or masculine way. in a dualistic way it's it, it just is but when we want to relate to the divine and feel that divine in ourselves it's it's easier to have uh, so in, in yogic philosophy it's ishvara it's the it's the manifestation of how we perceive the divinity and uh, i that's why i've i really felt a deep connection to uh the divine feminine practices and 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 my father has has also shared stories about uh old practices i think there is also a, a very old goddess temple somewhere in kurdistan
1: um and yes i know what you're talking about mm. yes like when really i old. Totally, mm. yes i totally agree with you in that one of when i because I was raised by it's interesting my father would identify himself as a Kurdish Muslim mm-hmm. and my mom would identify herself as a Muslim Kurd for her, her her religion is more important to her identity and then of course she loves being Kurdish but that's how she does and my dad is definitely more Kurdish than he is Muslim and so I've definitely kind of followed suit with my dad where it's like my mom prays five times a day my father you know he fasts but he doesn't pray five times a day um and so it's like I grew up with that balance of seeing two parents practicing it differently. And I had that same feeling, especially in high school, when I was really questioning, I was like, the thing I found the most issue with religion was that missing of the divine feminine and the just, you know, intrinsically all monotheistic religions, like you said, are very patriarchal. And that was my biggest thing. But then having that Kurdish identity, I found balance where in the Kurdish identity, with the indigenous practices and the focus on the mother and the focus on earth, I was able to, whatever was lacking for me in Islam I found in being Kurdish. And so that's where I was able to find the balance. And for me, the knowledge of religion, it's like, for me, as long as you have the belief that there is something bigger than you, that's really what it is all about. I don't care what name your religion is or whatever. But I think that beautiful theme of just knowing there is a greater being than me and I am not the center of this, I think is like the most important, the most important like idea. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm,
0: It does make sense because, again, we these names and forms are just a way for the mind to try to make something abstract into something more concrete so it it, it's the opposite it's beautiful to worship and to describe the divine in so many ways it's it's uh, in swedish we say a loved child has many names right it's like when you have wow yeah when you when the way we can uh, be in communion with the divine and see that that the divine is us there's nothing separated from us as well, then we can really um, appreciate all the different ways and forms. That's why I've been very interested in, in, in all types of spirituality that that I've learned. And we're so blessed that we can learn and, and that it's yes. not only practiced in one way in the world. Yeah, I love this, your insights and your path and your stories. I'm so grateful uh, that we had time to talk today. Do you have anything else
1: you want to share? No, I just, I wanted to say thank you. And um, I loved our conversation. It gives me a lot to think on and sit on. And ultimately for me, it's like whatever spirituality people, people have whatever belief you have whether it's a religion or an idea or whatever I think that like you said faith in anything bigger than yourself is so brave because for me I used to really think that people who were spiritual or religious were like kind of like sheep Mm. and as I grew older I kind of realized like no it's not that they're blindly following something it's faith is like Believing in something so strongly that it doesn't have to be tangible and you don't have to see it to believe in it. And I think that's a really brave and beautiful thing to have so much faith in what you believe in that you follow it, even if you don't have the proof or the tangible facts. If for a lot of scientific based people I know, that's like the biggest issue. They're like, well, if I can't see it, how can I believe in it? And so I think for me, like whatever religion it is, whatever spiritual practice you follow, like just that idea that you. And even with ancestral wisdom, and you're learning about your own history and culture, and sometimes it's not always tangible, and you can't always see it. It's a feeling. And I think that process and that work of healing, using your spirituality, using your ancestral wisdom, and just believing in something bigger than you is so beautiful. And it's so brave um, to just keep doing that, even when you don't have proof if you're right or wrong, because it's not about being right or wrong. Um, and I don't know if I'm going off on a tangent but I've just been thinking about this the whole time while you've been speaking and I really appreciate it. I've learned so much from you and I love how you word you're it's so beautiful like you, you're so poetic the way you speak so I just wanted to say thank you thank you
0: so much I'm so grateful and yeah thank you 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 have really done so much great work and I know that you're gonna create so much more beautiful things and share amazing things for the world to see so I really want to thank you again and how can people find you if they want to connect with you
1: yeah so I'm most active on Instagram um, and that's my personal one kind of that's where I just started doing my stories Mm. and that's underscore Dalia Zada Mm. Um, and my name is spelled D-A-L-I-A-Z-A-D-A. And so right. that's probably
0: the best best place. <laughs> yeah, I, I will put that in the show notes so they can find your account. And thank you so much again
1: for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I always love meeting other Kurdish sisters and we're doing this really important work of preserving our foremothers together And so I appreciate all the work you do and definitely definitely learning so much from you, not just today, but on your page. Mm,
0: Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so just inspired by this talk. It's led me to do more and more research into my ancestry and also um, spirituality and connecting to to the spirituality that has been practiced in ancient times from the areas of Kurdistan. And if you are curious of what Dahlia's work is all about, you can find the link to her Instagram page in the show notes. And in the show notes are also the link to the online New Moon Solar Eclipse Gathering. So if you want to join that, you can click in the links in the show notes and read more and sign up. And you also have the links to my new book in the show notes if you want to learn more. And I'm wishing you a beautiful and abundant day, weekend and week. Om Shanti.